0: The reading of God's word today comes from Psalm 104. Complementing the creation stories in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, Psalm 104 is a lyrical doxology to the Creator, and it has a surprise ending. Let us listen for God's word to us. Oh, my soul, bless God, God, my God, how great you are beautifully, gloriously robed, dressed up in sunshine and all heaven stretched out for your tent. You built your palace on the oceans deep, made a chariot out of clouds, and took off on wind wings. You commandeered winds as messengers, appointed fire and flame as ambassadors. You set earth on a firm foundation, so that nothing can shake it, ever. You started the springs and rivers, sent them flowing among the hills. All the wild animals now drink their fill. Wild donkeys quench their thirst. Along the riverbanks, the birds build nests. Ravens make their voices heard. You water the mountains from your heavenly cisterns. Earth is supplied with plenty of water. You make grass grow for the livestock, hay for the animals that plow the ground. The moon keeps track of the seasons. The sun is in charge of each day. When it's dark and night takes over, all the forest creatures come out. The young lions roar for their prey, clamoring to God for their supper. When the sun comes up, they vanish, lazily stretched out in their dens. Meanwhile, men and women go out to work, busy at their jobs until evening. What a wildly wonderful world, God. You made it all with wisdom at your side, made earth overflow with your wonderful creations. All the creatures look expectantly to you to give them their meals on time. You come, and they gather around. You open your hand, and they eat from it. If you turned your back, they'd die in a minute. Take back your spirit, and they die. Revert to original mud. Send out your spirit, and they spring to life, the whole countryside in bloom and blossom. The glory of God, let it last forever. Let God enjoy his creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: We begin with a doctor, not a medical doctor, it's Dr. Seuss. In his story, Horton Hears a Who, Horton says, I say I've never heard tell of a small speck of dust that is able to yell that is able to yell. So you know what I think? I think that there must be someone on top of that small speck of dust. Horton's discovery, like the Jeopardy! TV show that I love, suggests a question. When I look at the heavens and all of the work of your fingers and all the worlds that you have established, O God, what is mankind that you are mindful of us and care for us. That's a prayer, a question from Psalm 8. Scientists generally estimate that the Milky Way galaxy contains somewhere between a hundred billion and a trillion stars. It's hard to imagine that. And they say that there are somewhere between a hundred billion and a trillion galaxies out in the universe. And who knows how many universes? Colonel James Irwin, the pilot of Apollo 15, the eighth person to step on the moon, said this as he looked, as he was flying in space, he said, The earth reminded us of a Christmas tree ornament hanging in the blackness of space, As we got further and further away, it diminished in size. Frankly, uh, Finally, it shrank to the size of a marble, the most beautiful marble you can imagine. That beautiful, warm, living object looks so fragile, so delicate, that if you touched it with a finger, it would crumble and fall apart. Seeing this has to change a person has to make a person appreciate the creation of God and the love of God. Today at Riverside and earlier in this week when we celebrated Earth Day, we are invited to appreciate and to celebrate creation. In our tradition, we talk about the word becoming flesh and in the beginning was the word and all of all was created by the word and we think of the word in scriptures but what does it mean to think of hearing the word of god in creation psalm 104 is an extensive inventory of creation of god making order out of cre- chaos out of the threatening waters god creates boundaries And God provides for all the living things... ...and starting with the largest to the smallest. And this inventory of creation is framed in doxology. Praise to the Creator. But, you know, as I was thinking about today... ...I think it's almost... ...I don't know, it's hard to celebrate this environment we're in. I mean, it's never seemed more threatening and chaotic than it is now. I mean, every time we look around at someone, we wonder if they're a threat to us. When people go to a store, have you seen how they, they gird themselves for battle in the parking lot? They, you know, they're, they're wiping things and they're, they're masking and they're, they're getting ready. They've got this grim face on like they're going into battle. It's, it's threatening out there. It's dangerous. We are avoiding even people we love. We've clean, we're cleaning everything. The whole world seems like a threat. And moreover, Earth Day in general just seems like a day of guilt. Aren't we used to dire warnings of how everything is winding down and burning up? Is now a time when we really can take on more to worry about? Is now a time where we can hear about taking more responsibility when we're just trying to survive in this crazy time? So I kind of feel like I'm a door-to-door salesman on your front porch, just as you settled in to watch your favorite TV show. It's like, this is not a good time. Please go away. But how about we flip the script? Think about it. What season are we in? We're in the season of Easter. We're in this time, this several weeks, where we're invited to consider what the resurrection might mean to us. If it's really real, what does it mean? It's possible, we believe, to live in the world in a new way because of the resurrection of Christ. You know, we've been having various staff and members of the church write devotionals, and they've been being posted online each day, and I've been so moved by them. The depth of faith and and insight and and personal expression uh, through this time of pandemic has been wonderful to read. Yesterday's was by Eli Stevenson, and I loved his devotional yesterday. He said, hey, let's look at the positives. And he named just a, a, a couple. He said, people are outside walking around all the time. People never used to take so many walks. People are enjoying nature. It's great. And he said, you know, even the whole natural world is feeling a little better. It's it's rebounding. Animals are recovering it's like pollution is going down and health of the world is going up. It's not to minimize the loss and the grief that is occurring across our world. But it is to say, as Eli suggested, maybe there's a positive side to this. And so I want to suggest three possible gifts that we might be able to receive. I think maybe they're spiritual gifts. So the first one is the... It, exposes the lie of autonomy, the danger of too much individualism. I think we've all realized this, that, that, you know, we need to wear masks and we need to distance. All these things have been closed. And, uh, you know, if we don't do that, we're affecting other people. We're all in this together. We're all related. What I do affects you. What you do affects me. We've all seen this. And so I think this is the gift of wisdom, if we will receive it, that we live together, and when we live as connected people, connected to one another and to all things, we will make wise choices. And when we try to live as autonomous beings who are completely free and disconnected, we're fools. Wisdom is the first gift. The second one is this, that that the C-19 shows us that global, meaningful, collective action is possible. It's like the movies when some big space alien is coming in or an asteroid is coming in, and the whole world mobilizes to figure out how to to fight it off. And it's like in response to this giant existential threat, we can change. Think about all the changes you've made. I mean, you used to get up in the darkness and, you know, if you have a family, you'd get them all up and you're all running around and everything is time, you know, three minutes in the bathroom, two minutes to check your your social media, you know, four minutes to slam down some breakfast out the door you've got a schedule to be you've got to hit the bridge before the traffic's too bad you've got to be here you've got then you've got to pick people up after school and it goes on and on and you know that's that's how our lives were think about all the changes you've made now you get up it's it's been light outside for a couple of hours you get up you don't get dressed you don't take a shower you just sit around and watch TV for a couple of hours. It's stuff you've already heard, but you sit there and watch it anyway. Finally, you get bored. So then you go and clean your closets again for the fourth time. Or you wipe something down again. Or, you know, you maybe you're out taking a walk. You've never taken so many walks. Now you, you kind of know every feature of your neighborhood as you never did before. Think about the ways you have changed. And... Not just you, but giant corporations, whole economies, governments, societies have all changed their behavior really in the matter of a month. And they're basically following the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's really what the whole world is trying to do in terms of staying safe. I call this the gift of empowerment. We have the power to make major transformations on a global scale when we want to, when we think there's a need, when it's important enough. We are capable. These giant systems, these habits that are ingrained, they can be changed. Now this gift doesn't come without some grief, major loss. We call this a wilderness. In Israel's story, when they were in the wilderness, their their freedom came with wilderness. And then when they were out there, they started worrying about scarcity, about how are we going to survive? And God provided an abundance, daily bread. And in the church's story, Jesus is out in the wilderness with a great crowd of people and they start to get hungry and rather than sending them away Jesus feeds the 5,000. There is this constant motif of the threat of not enough. Is there enough? Can we trust God's promise of abundance? The disciples it is said did not understand the the message about the loaves that they had seen. They missed the disclosure about the abundance of life in Christ. And so Jesus later tells the story about a guy who made so much money that he had to build bigger warehouses and then bigger warehouses as if we cannot ever have enough. We know the story of scarcity, don't we? Walter Brueggemann says this, anxious anti-neighborly action generates scarcity. And generous neighborly action evokes abundance and thanksgiving and peace. We have seen this in our own lives just in these last few weeks. We have seen amazing acts of generosity and solidarity and graciousness along with acts of anxious scarcity and hoarding. But we have the capacity, we have the power to make massive transformations, you and I individually and all of us collectively. So whenever it is that we return to normal, let that quote, normalness, steal our power to receive transformation. Finally, the third gift that we could receive, I think, is the matter, the gift of timing, urgency. We all know that people had to act quickly to stop this pandemic from getting worse, to flatten the curve if they had waited another week, even another day more people would have died or gotten sick. Every day counted. And we know that we have the gift of today, the gift of now. Procrastinating, putting off, saying we can do this later may not be realistic. It may come at too high of a cost. We have the gift of now. As we look this Sunday at our sacred calling to be stewards of creation, that is stewards of all that God has given us, including one another, let's look at these three gifts, wisdom, empowerment, today, and see how we can employ these gifts To be faithful stewards of creation. I would suggest that we do not do that alone. Perhaps find one thing in creation that you care about, and then go look for and join some other people that also care about that. Do it together. Now, there's a surprise ending in Psalm 104 that Brianna referred to, but she didn't read it. I'm going to read it. The surprise ending suggests not just an idyllic garden that we uh, wonder about, but also that there is a nexus of moral decision-making. Here's what it says. May sinners vanish from the earth, and may the wicked be no more. Ouch. The stewardship of creation is a part of God's covenant faithfulness and a part of our faithfulness in covenant relationship. So to say yes to God is to say yes to what and who bears God's image. Saying yes to the gifts of wisdom and power and now This is not a matter of doctrine or argument or science or economics or even morality. It's a glad self-giving back to God, to the covenant maker. It's personal. Albert Camus, the French philosopher, said, choose what you love and love what you choose. Choose what you love and love what you choose. So let everything that has breath praise God and choose love. Amen.